This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Every paddle must be synchronized to the stroke count of the coxswain. Everyone must exert equal effort or the boat will turn against the wave and be unceremoniously dumped back on the beach. For the boat to make it to its destination, everyone must paddle. You can't change the world alone. You will need some help. And to truly get from your starting point to your destination takes friends, colleagues, the goodwill of strangers, and a strong coxswain to guide you. Some of you will certainly recognize that voice. That is Admiral William McRaven. Admiral McRaven was born November 6, 1955 in Pinehurst, North Carolina, and is still alive today. McRaven's father, Claude, who went by Bill, was an interesting individual. He led a life as both a Spitfire pilot in World War II, a colonel in the United States Air Force, And prior to both of these things, he had actually played football in the NFL and what was then known as the American Football League, or AFL. The AFL was later consolidated into the NFL as we know it today. He actually played for three different teams, the Cleveland Rams, the St. Louis Gunners, and a team you may recognize from today, the Cincinnati Bengals. McRaven, his son, attended the University of Texas, where he participated in ROTC and he ran track. And you can see how McRaven leaned towards the military as an option, given that his father had been a colonel most of his life. He graduated in 1977 from UT with a degree in journalism, and later he earned a master's degree from the Naval Postgraduate School. And in this quote, which McRaven delivered as part of a commencement address at his alma mater in 2014, he's referring to the boat crews that were a part of his basic underwater demolition SEAL training, or BUDS, as it's more colloquially known which he attended and he graduated in 1978. McRaven went on to have a very exciting career. He served on SEAL Team 6 and as a deputy to then-General Stanley McChrystal in Iraq, and finally as the commander of the United States Special Operations Command, or U.S. SOCOM, or just SOCOM, as it's commonly known. In 2011, he planned and oversaw the execution of the SEAL raid on Osama bin Laden's compound that resulted in bin Laden's death something that the United States had been seeking for a decade at that point, ever since the attacks masterminded by Osama bin Laden in 2001 on the World Trade Center in New York. He was actually named the Times runner-up for Person of the Year for his role in that operation that year. And prior to retiring, he held the unofficial title of Bullfrog. Bullfrog is an allusion to the frogmen of the 20th century that predated the current Navy SEALs, And Bull, in this case, is a nod to him being the most long-serving SEAL, then currently serving on active duty. And as I mentioned, this quote comes from a commencement address, which you know we love here on quotations, that he delivered to the graduating class of 2014 at UT. And you've probably heard or seen some or all of this speech at some point. If you haven't, don't stop this episode, but put it in your queue, because it's time well spent. It's about 20 minutes long, and you should listen to it. Just do it. But do it later. 
It's probably most well-known for his advice to graduates, where he says, quote, if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. That probably is now ringing a bell for some of you. Now, don't get me wrong. I like the bed reference as much as the next guy. It certainly has value, and it rolls off the tongue and is easy to execute. And it's very simple, but also effective. However, I didn't want to do an episode about just that, because so many have written and spoken about it previously, thought we would tackle something different. So I chose this tidbit of wisdom because I think it's more broadly applicable. Well, how so? I'll get into that, but first, here's the quote one more time for your reference. Again, this is Admiral William McRaven delivering a commencement address to the 2014 graduating class at the University of Texas. Every paddle must be synchronized to the stroke count of the coxswain. Everyone must exert equal effort or the boat will turn against the wave and be unceremoniously dumped back on the beach. For the boat to make it to its destination, everyone must paddle. You can't change the world alone. You will need some help. And to truly get from your starting point to your destination takes friends, colleagues, the goodwill of strangers, and a strong coxswain to guide you. And, as I said before, I like this quote because I think it's more broadly applicable than simply making your bed. You see, at least from my perspective, I don't believe that we do much, if anything, on our own in life. Now, this applies to all areas that I can think of offhand, whether it be school or work, personal development, skill building, parenting, etc. It's very, very easy and egocentric and tempting, I would argue, to assume that if we're successful in those areas, it's because of our own hand. We did it. We were the ones who accomplished something. And to a certain degree, that is true. But we've done enough quotes on this podcast where people have given a nod, either directly or indirectly, to those that have helped them achieve the success and acclaim that they have achieved, to know that if we take a step back and we remove our egocentrism from the equation, that we probably, if we're being honest with ourselves, don't accomplish much of anything solely via our own skills and capabilities. Now, you may disagree. You may be thinking, well, Matt, what about this? And Matt, what about that? And I would argue that even if you do something in spite of somebody else, that person has an impact on what it is that you're doing. I have done things that I consider accomplishments in my life, at least to a small degree, perhaps larger than maybe I'd want to admit, out of spite. Not to get back at somebody, but to prove somebody wrong, somebody who doubted, somebody who questions, somebody who gave negative feedback at some point and said, you can't or you won't or you'll never. And I've done things in my life that I consider accomplishments in spite of those things. So even the negative feedback, even when we feel like we're working in direct opposition to someone, that person is still influencing our decision-making and our capabilities in that particular area. Ever have somebody tell you that you won't be a great soccer player or a great trombonist or a great writer, and then you go out and you hone your skills and you practice and you practice all of those things, and then you become that thing? Well, you didn't do that on your own because somebody had to light that fire. Somebody had to question you. Somebody had to call you out. Somebody had to make that pointed statement. Not because it was kind or because they had good intentions behind it, but because for you, the individual, it lit a fire. It started something. It began a journey 
which resulted in you accomplishing that which somebody else told you that you could not accomplish. So we owe at least a nod to even our worst opponents in those things because they fuel us and they drive us. Now don't misunderstand me. Your individual capabilities and skills and desires and drive and discipline are certainly a factor, and they're often a large factor. But if we look more closely at our success, there's likely a small, or maybe a large, boat crew, to use McRaven's analogy, that paddled with us. Right? If you were successful in school, who taught you? Who studied with you? Who instilled in you the drive to stick to difficult tasks? Who helped you with that annoying administrative correction that you needed? Who encouraged you when you thought about giving up? Your boat crew. That's who. And if you accept that perspective and you apply it to your life, you'll probably have a hard time finding just about anywhere where you did it alone. And that may be frustrating, and maybe that idea actually angers you, but I'm okay with that. It doesn't make it any less true. But what I can offer in exchange is that while this applies to your successes, it also applies to your shortcomings or failures. Perhaps your boat crew was too small. Perhaps they didn't cooperate. They didn't dig into the waves together, or they quit on you. That doesn't absolve you of the responsibility for or make the failure any more palatable, but it does provide a mild salve to the sting of a shortcoming. Life is collaborative. Societies function well or poorly based on many, not one. It's the nature of humanity. It's a feature. It's not a bug. We are a cooperative species. Think about all the things. I've heard the analogy made before that... We're so advanced in society today that if you had to go back and make a number two pencil, there is no single person on the planet that could make a number two pencil from scratch. There are just too many specialties involved to make something as simple as probably the most basic writing instrument, aside from maybe a crayon, that you ever wrote with as a child. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I know the components of a pencil. I know that there is graphite, and I know that there's wood, and there's paint, and there's rubber in the eraser, and there's metal in the little collar that holds the eraser onto the pencil, but I can make almost none of those things. And I certainly can't make them with the precision that would be required to make a pencil. Now think about all the other things that we do on a daily basis, and how challenging those things are. Think about if you're a human being, you generate garbage. What would you do with your garbage if you didn't have a garbage man? What happens when your plumbing clogs up? You call a plumber. Why? Because they're specialized and they know things that you don't know. What happens if a window breaks and you need a new one installed? Or let's take it a step further back. Let's, what happens when a window breaks and you need to have a whole new window made? You certainly can't do that in your backyard. I can't do that. We have to call someone. Someone has to have the specialized knowledge to make the glass that goes in the window that goes in our window frame. So knowing all of these things, we have to recognize that this is a collaborative society, whether we want it to be or not. No matter how independent, no matter how far off the grid, no matter how impersonal you might consider yourself, this is a collaborative society. Your ability to be off the grid to begin with has to do with the fact that other people collaborated to help get you there. The complexity of life is such that in order to do grand things and small things alike, we must collaborate. You need a boat crew to do things you simply can't do alone. Part of the reason this quote doesn't get as much press as the bed quote is that it's a team effort, not an individual one, right? And that identifying and welcoming your boat crew is both difficult and important at the same time. And that your boat crew doesn't necessarily remain the same throughout an entire life. 
Sometimes it grows or it shrinks. New members are added or old ones leave. Depending on what you're trying to accomplish, there may be a completely set, different set of crew members in your boat at that time than there are for another task that you're trying to accomplish. And I would argue that we could probably wrap the episode here, call it a day, and I could say, now go build your boat crew. And that would be that. And it'd be a good episode, I think. But there's another layer to this quote that is absolutely critical. And I'd be remiss not to talk about it before we end. And that is that you, as an individual, are part of others' boat crews. Likely many, many boat crews. You may not even realize it, but you are either paddling with that crew at the same stroke rate, with the same effort, or you're not. And those boat crews need you to be focused, even if briefly, on their success. And you won't always be the coxswain. You're not always going to be the one directing traffic or guiding the team. Sometimes you'll just be one of the members with a paddle in the water, pulling or not. And pulling as hard into the waves as is needed to drive the other person's boat forward is just as important as other people pulling as hard into the waves to drive your boat forward. So, this is the age-old adage, do unto others. You could change it in this regard to paddle for others the way you hope that they paddle for you. And this may sound taxing, and sometimes it is. Sometimes it's taxing to be in somebody else's boat, paddling for somebody else's benefit when it feels like there's not a whole lot for you, but that person needs you to paddle their boat. Just like you expect people and hope that people will help paddle your boat when there's not a whole lot for them to gain directly from doing so. But it doesn't have to take a lot of energy. Sometimes it does, but often it's just maybe a word of encouragement or a helping hand or an assist or being available when that person needs you. Sometimes that's all it is to be a part of somebody else's boat crew. But without it, that boat may not clear the next wave. So today's call to action is indeed to identify and welcome your boat crew. Boat crews is probably the more appropriate term. Who are those people? Have you thanked them? Even if it's been a long time since they helped row your boat, that little bit of thanks can do wonders. And it may be, in a weird twist of things, exactly what their boat needs at that moment. is somebody to reach out to them and say, hey, I remember when you helped me as I was struggling through my university studies or my high school studies, or as I was learning to play the trombone or trying to become a better writer. Thanks for proofreading that one manuscript that I sent you. And at that moment in time, wherever they are and whatever they're doing, that little word of encouragement might be that paddle in the water that they needed to clear the next wave coming their way. So thank them. And, and this is the other piece of the call to action for today, is whose boat crew are you a part of? Have you checked with them to see what they need, to see what you can do, where you can pull harder, where you can give a little bit more to help them clear their waves? If we do those things today, I think we'll all be amazed at the perspective shift that we see. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app, or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod, or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, 
And thanks as always for listening.